So I want to tell you a story, and I want to give you a disclaimer, because I'm not near as good at storytelling as my buddy Josh Sanderson. He is our youth pastor, and he can make a story this size sound like this big. And he's like, he, he would be a good fisherman, but he could tell a story better than, than anybody I've ever known. And so I just want to give you that much before I tell my story because it's not near as good as, he, as his because next time he preaches, um, you will know to come and to listen to Josh's story because it's far greater than mine. But my story is real, so, uh, so I'll give you that much. <laughs> Love you, Josh. <laughs> but this story actually happened a year after my marriage. Uh, Melissa and I decided to float a little river called the Middle Loot River in northwest Nebraska. Um, this river is, a, is an awesome river to float if you ever get, get a chance to go in the sand hills. It's a beautiful scenery. It's one of those things, I'm an outdoorsman, so I enjoy being out, and I like to, to uh, jump up ducks and pheasant, and you get to see antelope and, and um, mule deer and white-tailed deer, and, and every now and then you get to see an elk in that part of the country too. And so I love this part of the country, and I love going uh, floating down this river. And so, so one day, one day it was a Sunday afternoon. We decided to go on a. It's probably about a four-hour float, and and um, and so we decided to go. So we threw the canoe on top of the old station wagon her dad had, had, and threw our yellow lab sage in the back. And so we took off towards the river. Well, her dad was bringing us to the drop-off site, and as we were going, I saw some distant clouds in 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 the, in the distance there. And I asked my father-in-law. I said, "Hey, you think we'll be okay? You know, it's like there's a storm brewing." You have to know my father-in-law to know how, the extent, how funny this is. He's the most optimistic, positive person that you'll ever meet. I mean, the sky's falling. It's okay. It'll be fine. And, you know, so I said, hey, Mark, do you think we'll make it all right? And with a smile on his face, he says, oh, you guys will be fine. And, um, and so we continued on our journey. So we put in, and the first hour wasn't so bad. We enjoyed the serenity, enjoyed the scenery. And, and other than our dog flipping our canoe about 50 times, it was nice, and, um, but all of a sudden, a wind started blowing in. It started getting a, a, little, bit, a little bit harder, and the wind started blowing harder, and, and, and then all of a sudden, the thunder started shaking the ground, and, um, and then to the left of me, I remember this clear, as it happened just yesterday, that it was a lightning hit a tree by the river in front of us. Now, I got to putting the equation together. I'm floating down a river in an aluminum boat, in the water, and I was thinking, this is not a good, good ending. You know, this is it. And so I, so I was trying to make decisions being the man that I am, you know, trying to, to make my wife feel safe, and, and, um, and, the other, other, and she'll <laughs> vouch to the fact that there's two things that I'm totally scared of that will make me scream like a seven-year-old girl. Is it snakes and lightning? I don't mind thunder so much. But I cannot stand lightning. If it pops near me, if I see the flash or whatever, I just cringe and, I, and, I'll, and I'll scream. And so when that lightning hit, I said, baby, we have got to do something. We're fixing to die here. And so we pulled the, the canoe over to the, the right side of the bank. Or Sage, let me, let me, let me rethink re, uh, that. Sage flipped the boat, and then we pulled the boat to the right of the bank. And then we got in the middle of the field. And as we were in the middle of the field, it was started raining, and there was no drizzle. It was flooding. It started raining downward, upward, sideways, diagonally, every which way it could rain, it was raining. And um, so we were sitting there holding each other in the middle of the field and like just praying to God, like, God, please spare us. And, um, and it was, it was, it's funny now, but it wasn't at the time. 
And then lightning struck in the same field that we were sitting in. And I got to thinking, we're the highest point in this area. Well, if lightning was going to hit me, it was going to hit a moving target. So I went back to the boat. And the river started getting a little fast at that time because it was raining. And I said, we're going we're gonna to go down this river. If this lightning's going to hit me, it's going to hit a moving target. But here's the deal. It, it just kept getting worse and worse. And, and like at that time, we were responding out of fear. I was screaming at Melissa to paddle in the right direction. She was taking her paddle and hitting me in the back of the boat. I was beating the dog with my paddle. And it was an awful experience. And so there's a story in the Bible that, that kind of resembles a little bit to that story where it included a body of water, a boat, and a storm. But it adds 12 men in the, in, in the story, and we get a sense of people responding to the storms of life out of fear. And I want to propose to you this morning that, that we can respond to storms out of faith instead of fear. And so we're going to look at this passage that's found in Matthew 14, and we'll start reading in verse 22. It'll be on the screen through verses 29. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter, Lord, if it's you, he replied, Tell me, come to the water. And Jesus simply responded, come. And then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water where Jesus, towards Jesus. And so we see that, like our story, there, there's a storm, there's a boat, and there's a body of water. And we have to understand the context of this to, to grasp um, the, 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 the applications out of this passage. But Jesus has just been responsible for the greatest or the largest fish fry that there ever was. He just fed 5,000. 5, Lance, when we fed the Grambling football team a couple weeks ago, we fed hamburgers. Somebody asked and said, hey, did you have enough food? I said, I'll never feed hamburgers again. And they said, why? I said, because I always feed fish because Jesus never multiplied ha uh, hamburgers. He always multiplied fish, right? So he just was responsible for that. Yeah, greatest of this fish fry. And, but here's the deal. The disciples were eating this up. Jesus was rising to popularity. He was a part, they were part of his entourage, and they were just liking the, the popularity rise. And, and no one's like, hey, I'm, I'm with you. They were kind of like Jesus' bodyguards. You know, like, y'all watch all the way. Well, here comes Jesus. And, and they were eating all this up. But yet, Jesus does something contrary to, the, to what they thought should happen. And that was that Jesus sent them out into a boat and said, I'll see you guys in a little bit. Now that strikes me odd for a little bit because I don't understand why Jesus wasn't in the boat with them. We don't know. We, we know that earlier in, in, the, in the context in Matthew four that, or 14 that John the Baptist was beheaded, so I don't know if he was going off to mourn the death of his forerunner. I don't, we don't know. And we know that Jesus went to a solitude place to, to pray, but Jesus was in a boat, but I know for a fact because of his sovereignty, he understood that he was sending them out into a storm. And this was a lesson of faith for the disciples. 
And so the, the Bible indicated that they were, it was the fourth watch of the night, so it was probably 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. between there. When they were, and they were also three miles off the shore. What should have been an easy voyage became a great ordeal because of the storm. And guys, these were novelists as far as, 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 as sailing or, or boating goes because these were fishermen. They knew how to handle a, a boat. So it wasn't like they were just nonchalantly going out there and just getting lost or, or, or being tossed through and fro because of nothing. These were, these were professional um, people who, who, who knew what they were doing. And so we know that Jesus put them into that but to give them a lesson of faith. And at that time, since the desperation, they've been fighting the storm through the night. Here Jesus comes, walks up on the scene, doing something extraordinary, which causes a bit of confusion. That's why they were saying, hey, it's a ghost. And, and at this time, these people were very mystical. So seeing, talking about ghosts or something like that wasn't very uncommon. They probably thought, uh, this is it, guys. This is our last rodeo. We're fixing to, um, to kick the bucket here. Um, actually, they were using the bucket to bail the water. So uh, anyway, that's a joke. Y'all, none of y'all got that? I didn't tell that one in the first service. Um, so at that time, Peter, who beckons Jesus to invite him to walk on water, he finds himself accomplishing something that is supernatural. So I want to use this text as, as a figurative illustration to some literal principles that if we're going to overcome fear, that we've, there's some things that we can do to overcome that fear. The Bible says, or scholars say that the Bible says, do not fear 365 times. Now, we don't know if that's actually true. The Bible lends to the fact that he said, it says things like, um, be strong and courageous, fear not, do not fear. In some capacity, the Bible says a lot of times, um, do not fear, right? So if it says it that many times, then there must be a lot of things out there that can instill fear in our lives. But here's the life reality. And, and, and this, is, this is very, very, very uh, intriguing. So get on the edge of your seat, seats. You ready? Life gets hard. That, that, I, this is not rocket science because if it was, I would not be up here talking to you. But life gets hard, right? If you lived any amount of time, you realize that you will hit a storm. You heard our pastor say, Chris, he says, you either, A, you're going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or going out of a storm. Because it's a reality, and it's across the board. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what age you are, what race you are, what social economic status. The reality of it is that life, at some point in time, is going to get hard. Life brings about circumstances that causes us to respond. And we like to, to, to fear, and we like to refer to this, this, this fear or this reality as a storm in life. But see, everything is kosher as long as everybody's healthy. As long as nobody's not getting a phone call with some bad test results, right? Everything is good as long as the money exceeds the month, right? As long as the economy's good, uh, as long as that, that the business is good, everything is, is good. Everything is groovy if, if, the, if the spouse is, is, is being faithful or the kids are not misbehaving and they're not being prodigals and everything. But, but when those things start happening, is things start to ha we start to lose control. And then our, it is our propensity to move towards fear because we're out of control. Just like the people in the, and the disciples were in the boat. They were out of control of the boat. 
If they would have been in control, everything would have been, would have been, been good. But I want to pro- uh, propose to you an alternative to fear, and that is faith. And I want to use this text to extract or examine some application that moves us beyond our fears. And the first thing I want to present to you is this. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. Let's look at verse 28. What is Peter's response to Jesus walking up? He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, we have to allude to Peter's great faith, faith in, in this passage. Because why? Because there was 12 men in the boat. But it was only one Peter who stood up and said, Hey, Lord, if it's you, bid me or, or ask me to come out and walk where you're walking. And, and so many times that, that, that Jesus revealed himself to disciples and Peter took the initiative to get out of the boat. And so many times, faith requires us to do something that doesn't necessarily make sense. It, doesn't, it defies our logic. Faith requires us to do things to, to maybe sometimes lead the familiar. You know, one of the things that scares me the most is, is leaving my comfort zone. Does, is anybody can relate to that? Comfort zones are things that, that paralyze people, I think, sometimes. But we can, sometimes we have a hard time leaving the familiar. Let me give you an example. Fear of leaving an unhealthy relationship. I was a youth minister uh, for years before I started growing up to be a college minister. I'm picking at you too again, Josh. Josh is going to wear me out this week, by the way. I got it coming. But I got, actually got one of my former youth sent by my wife this morning. He come all the way from Vicksburg, Mississippi to see me this morning. And, um, and, and so I was a youth minister. And one thing that, that I always saw, and Josh can vouch for this, is that teenagers will, will get involved in relationships that are hindering their walk with God or, or causing them to, to compromise in, in some areas of life. But you know what? They won't, they won't get rid of that relationship. Why? Because they fear what they think of them. They, 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 they don't know what it is. They don't understand what could happen and what can transpire, so they'll just continue to, to, to mosey on in that relationship. We see it happen all the time. Maybe it's fear of, of reconciling with somebody. You may be somebody that you have a, had a relationship with that you know you need to pick up that phone or, or go to them personally and try to reconcile, but you, you're, you're scared about what, how they're going to respond. Maybe it's fear uh, of, of a career change. You know, I, you know, I feel, one thing I, I feel for the, some of the, you college students is this, is that you're at a, a, a threshold of between adolescence and adulthood, and you're trying to figure all this life out and trying to make, you know, all these decisions that's going to affect the, the rest of your life. And guys, that could be, a, that could be a, a pretty scary spot to be in, right? And, but yet, what about a person who's been in a career for 30 years and God's compelling them to do something different and yet, it's, we have to leave our, our boat or our familiarity to do so. And so we allow fear to paralyze us or, or prohibit us from reaching our full potential as a human being. You know what? We fear rejection. We fear failure. And so we cling on to what's familiar and never take the initiative. And see, while Peter was taking the initiative to get out of the boat, let me, let me present this thought to you. While Peter was taking the initiative to get out of the boat, the other 11 were hanging on to the one thing that was sinking. They've been fighting it all night. 
And so sometimes I think, like, because it's familiar, even though it's sinking, we'll, we'll, man, we'll have our intentions of where our fingers are grabbing on and hanging on to dear life because we're too scared to take the initiative. Discipline requires initiative. It applies to every, every area of life. You know one of the hardest things for me to do as a person is to take initiative? Let me explain that to you. I don't mind cutting grass. I just hate getting the lawnmower out and putting gas in it and everything else. If somebody can have it running for me sitting outside, it would be awesome. Um, you know, taking initiative, I don't mind going to the gym. Once I get there, it's okay. It's just a matter of getting myself out of bed and taking that, you know, that, that initial step to get there to go work out. I don't, you know, I don't mind coming to work. It's just those first initial steps that I got to get. Once I get here, I'm fine. It's just the initiative part that I had the hardest time. But discipline, every area of your life, takes, it takes initiative. Whether you succeed academically, you've got you to move yourself towards the, 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 to be a studious and, and to study. If you're going to be successful in your business, you've got to do the hard things that it takes to be successful. Whether you're going to be in athletics or whatever, you've got to go the extra mile to take the initiative to be that person. And even spiritual success. You, we have to take initiative in our, in, our, in our walks of faith so that we can see God do a work in us and through us. Let's look at James 4, 8 real quick. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Did y'all get that? Who made the first step in that passage? The responsibility is us. It's taken near God. The reason why I think that is is because God created us and where he loves to have a relationship with us. And he doesn't force himself on us, but he, he desires for us to come to him. And then, guys, he's standing right there waiting for us to have that right relationship with him. Some of the greatest and worst movements in the world's has been started with people like you and I started taking initiative. If you study Great Awakenings or any kind of revivals that transpired in years past, it was because people saw a need in their environment, they started hitting their knees, and they started praying for God to do a work in their communities. And what happened? Something miraculous happened. And even the worst of movements, you know, Hitler's... And uh, he took initiative. Whether you agree with what he did or not, you have to allude to the fact that he took initiative. And so some of the greatest successes in the Bible, people took initiative. In the Old Testament, the people who took initiative have great faith. When David, when, when Goliath was out in the battlefield and he was taunting the God of Israel, it was David, a little shepherd boy, who got, you know, five stones and took initiative. And, you know, I always say this because I can just sense this. You know, David's out there like, I want to be a real boy. You know, I mean, he's singing. He's like... Everybody's got all this, you know, armor, and he's got a BB gun, you know. But yet it was, it was Joshua and Caleb uh, that Lance alluded to Wednesday night that while all other people were scared to go in to take land, he, they say, hey, guys, God promised us, let's take it by faith. The land is right for the taking. Let's go in and, and conquer it. So great successes. The people who, who had great successes in the Bible took initiative. So if we're going to be any kind of leader, whether it's in your home, in your school, in your, your business, you're going to have to take some initiative. If you're called to walk a thousand miles, you have to take the first initial steps. So the reason why we're able to take initiative and because Christ provided the opportunity, which brings me to my next challenge, and that is 
It's to accept the invitation. See, Peter wasn't operating on blind faith. So many times, um, you know, critics of Christianity accuse believers of accepting this philosophy that has no concrete evidence, but there's so many confirming information that invites us to a journey of faith. There's so much. There's creation. You cannot go to a mountain and say, hey, there is no God. You cannot go to an ocean and say, there's not a big God. We got scripture. We got the, the, the story of redemption right here. And then we got the testimony of the church after that. And then we got the Holy Spirit that solidifies all these things and moves us to a journey of faith. Does that make sense? We got all this information. So, so Peter wasn't operating on blind folks. It wasn't that like Jesus didn't reveal himself to Peter. Peter didn't get out of the boat until Jesus revealed himself. If Peter would have got out of the boat before he, Jesus revealed himself, Peter would have been a fool, right? He would have sank. And so we have so many information, so much information for us to take the initiative and, and accept the invitation. So Jesus invites us to experience a new life that overcomes fear and it encourages our faith. In John 10, 10, um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I would even add he does that by st- instilling fear in our lives. But what did Jesus say? Is that I, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full, to the fullest. Abundant life that he promised us. And so he, what is he inviting us to? I want to just give you a couple of things. He invite, first of all, he invites us to salvation. So you no longer have to fear death because you took upon the death of Christ. You identified with him in the finished work of Christ, and he rose from the dead. And, and so because of that victory, we just sang about that a while ago. There's nothing that, that gets me more excited when we start seeing the ground begin to shake and the stone was rolled away. You know why? Because my faith is in that and what he did, so I no longer have to fear what happens when I take my last breath. When my dad died in, in, in 12 years ago, I got to watch my, my dad uh, die with cancer, and I, I call it a great experience, and this is why. Uh, not, the, not to say I love my dad. I'm glad, I'm glad I had the time I had with him, but, but it was a great experience in this. I got to watch my dad die with courage. He knew where he was going. He looked me in the eye, and he said, Hey, God, he said, Justin, this is just a momentary place. He said, We're going to be together soon one day. And he did it with a smile on his face. He was so frail, but yet he was able to not fear death because of that. What's another thing? We, we, we get to have the invitation of abundant life. You no longer have to fear, fear obstacles. You don't, no longer have to be driven by your circumstances. Why? Because life gets hard, right? But we don't have to be driven by those things. There's a guy named Nick. I don't want to say his right name right. It's Vujizic. Um, Nick, if you've seen here before, if you don't, haven't seen or come across this guy, just Google him. It, it's, it's, it's amazing what this guy does. He was born with no legs and no arms, and, and, and all these circumstances drove him to depression. He thought suicide, about suicide. Now, I'm not trying to be funny, but I was just thinking in my mind this week, how are the guys going to commit suicide? But that's another thought. But this guy is amazing. He's going around the world preaching the gospel. And because he met, had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he's no longer driven by his circumstances, but yet he's able to overcome. An invitation to restoration. When we have failed, our grace gives us the means by which we can be restored and gives us the ability to reach our full potential. Why? Because we're going to fail in this life. 
We're going to mess up. We're humans. We even know in, the, in, that, in that same passage, what did Peter do? He was sitting there walking on water. You know, I mean, it was like Tina Turner rolling on the river, you know. And he was walking on water. I, 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 I can see that since the age gap here because the people who knew that smiled. And uh, <laughs> other people didn't hear. Big wheels keep on turning. Um, he, was, he was walking on water. Then all of a sudden, he looked at the waves around him and he began to sink. So, but yet Jesus extended his hand and restored him to be a water walker so he could carry out and, 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 and carry out to, uh, to, his full, to be his full potential. And so he gives us the invitation of restoration. And so the invitation is ever before us and to take the initiative and operate out of faith to find ourselves overcoming our realities. See, the reality is that men don't walk on water. If you want to go home and try it in your swimming pool, go. We'll come and bring our phone and post it on YouTube. That's the reality. And the reality is that life gets hard and the storms will come, but faith moves us beyond our natural abilities And God shows us things about ourselves that we never knew. The reason I think that when Peter walked on water was monumental for him because Peter would become one of the catalysts for the first church. And he needed to know that he was able to exceed his own abilities by his faith. Because Jesus knew that Peter's life was going to get hard as one of the forerunners of the first church. So God shows us things about ourselves that, that we never knew. There's only one person that knows yourself better than, than your mama. And that's the, your creator. I'm talking about your daddy. I'm talking about the, our heavenly father. And he loves to reveal things about ourselves that we never knew and we never experienced. And so this brings me to the last thing is this, is that we get to experience the discovery Because of Peter's step of faith, Jesus revealed to Peter that he was a water walker. Something he never knew before. And so, we don't become, necessarily become water walkers ourselves, but we become people who moves beyond ourselves. How many ever have a pity party? Every now and then, does any of y'all have a pity party or is just me is just guilty of this? Every now and then, I'll have a woe is me time and everything. And I was sitting there in my woe is me time. I mean, I had rubber boots on. It was getting so thick. You know I mean? It, it was bad. And so I was sitting there having my woe is me time. And I was sitting there praying. And, um, and God revealed something to me. He said, Justin, you got to be about something that's bigger than yourself. Or you become about yourself. And you never move beyond yourself. And when he said that to me, I took my rubber boots off. Not literally. That's profound, you know, in the fact that we got to be about something of, of, of what Christ wants for us. Because we get so wrapped up in ourselves, then we just continue to stay captivated by our limited abilities, by, by our, our personalities, about everything that, about us that God doesn't reveal to us. Because if God's not revealing to us about who we are, then we're not able to carry on in faith. So we move beyond ourselves. What do, what do we become? We become overcomers. We overcome sin and strongholds that entangles us. It keeps us from moving on into faith. We overcome fear that paralyzes our life and, and, and it prohibits us from reaching our full potential. We overcome our doubts. We achieve. We spiritually uh, achieve. 
We do like ludicrous things or crazy things like win people to Christ. Let me say something. When we share the gospel and somebody receives that and, the, and we win them over to Christ, guys, that's a miracle. That's walking on water. We start to discover our, and utilize our spiritual gifts to edify the local church. That's a miracle. That's walking on water. God's pointing out the things about saying, hey, I can use, this, use you in this area of ministry. And when people start to realize that, it's amazing. There's, look, there's nothing more greater for, for me and the rest of the staff to see people who come to know Christ, but then they just don't stop there. They continue to grow spiritually, and next thing you know, you start seeing them plugged in into an area of ministry, and all of a sudden you start seeing the magnitude and ha- or the, what happens with their life because they're walking in, walking in faith. So we need to go to him and ask him to reveal things about ourselves that we never knew. In Colossians 2, 6, the more you walk in faith, the more you discover. And it says, so then, just have you received Christ Jesus the Lord. So, well, New American Standard says, so is walking him. This says, continue to live your lives in him. And I think that's essential for us to, for him to show us things about ourselves that we could continue to move beyond ourselves. Going back to that story that I initially started with. Melissa and I obviously made it through the storm. We didn't get to uh, literally walk on water that day. That had been kind of cool. But yet, the clouds moved southeast and the sun began to shine again. And even a a rainbow presented itself. And we got to the pickup and and there her dad was with a smile on his face. Y'all have a good float? I wanted to knock it off of him. It was, it was a horrific experience. You know, one thing, we ne- we, one thing we learned about that experience is this. How quick life can get out of control. But one thing we learned through this passage of Scripture is that our hope comes up walking on water. And if we take the initiative and accept his invitation, we discover that he wants us to become more like him. So I want to challenge you this morning with this. What does it mean for you to get out of the boat? What does it mean for you to take the initiative to accept what he's been putting on your heart? Because even though the applications are the same across the board, everybody's life experience is different. And so it may be mean a little bit different. Something, something to you may be, it may be a little bit different than somebody else. So here in a second, when I pray, Emily's going to come up and sing an invitation. And we just want to invite you, whatever that may be in your life. I want you, if there's something that you're holding back, a sin or, or, or a stronghold or something that's holding you, entangling you, come lay it at the altar. Come give it to Christ. Maybe it's a, something that God's been compelling you to do. And a career change or, or something, a, a certain ministry, but you've been holding back because you, just, you like the familiarity better than you do like the unknown. I want you to ask you to give that to Christ as well. Maybe getting out of the boat for you may be giving your life for Christ initially. Maybe you've been hanging on to your life because you're scared that Jesus may radically change your life. Hey, let me tell you something. I don't think Peter regretted getting out of the boat. I really don't. 
If, you, if Oprah Winfrey got to, to, to interview Peter and said, Peter, did you regret getting out of the boat? I would, I, I would, would put a million dollars on it. Well, I don't have a million dollars. I put all my money I have on the fact that Peter said, I never regretted getting out of the boat. I've never heard of people who've given their testimony ever say, I regret accepting Christ. Never heard it my entire life. So getting out of the boat for you made me giving your life to Christ. Because he radically wants to change you and do a work in you. So whatever that may be, you respond. After I pray, I just want to ask you to stand, and then we'll sing. Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity through your son Jesus to experience a life that's extraordinary. God, I just pray as we sing this song, God, as we, as we, as we close this service, God, that it will not be a closure of you doing a, a work in our life or in our heart, but your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us, and again, we would make the changes that we need to make to align up to your will. God, that you will restore our soul. And God, I just pray, God, as individuals and as a church, that we will continue to be reminded that you have something far greater than ourselves, and that we will not get wrapped up in ourselves. But God, that we will look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you stand as Emily sings?